Welcome to Coffee Shop Conversations with Forest Day. Today, we're talking with Neil Marshall Stevens. He's an author. He wrote A Sense of Dread, Getting Under the Skin of Horror Screenwriting. He's a movie director. He's worked on lots of movies, uh, such as Puppet Master. And what I found fascinating is he worked on the script for a remake of 13 Ghosts. So we'll talk about that, too. Welcome to the show, Neil. Thank you very much. Glad to be here. It's great to have you. The book is good. We'll talk about the book, and we'll talk about you. Oh, thank you very much. I have been uh, in this business for now almost 40 years. My gosh, that that, that dates me. Um, I started working professionally for a company called Laurel Entertainment. They're probably best known for a show called Tales from the Dark Side. And uh, I started working with them. After that show was over, I worked for them on a, on a show called Monsters, if anyone remembers that from a long time ago. I came out of a NYU grad film. Was They were based in New York. I sent them some sample scripts. I went in and talked to their story editor at the time, a fellow, great guy named Tom Allen. And um, my first professional produced sale was the very first episode of that show. It was a... It was an episode called Fever Man. Shortly afterward, rather tragically, Tom Allen passed away. Their vice president gave me a call and asked me, at the time I was running the equipment room at NYU Grad Film, which was not a job I recommend for anybody, but I was there for like six years. And in the meantime, he asked me to wear the very large shoes of Tom Allen and to finish up that season of Monsters as its story editor. So I was reading tons of, of submissions, polishing up scripts that had been submitted. And after that, I came in full time as their story editor. And also I wrote a bunch of episodes. And after Monsters was done, I worked on the projects like Stephen King's The Stand and The Langoliers. Not a great show, but there were a lot of other projects that I worked on. After that, when Laurel was was absorbed into a larger company and t- t- shut down, I was working for Charlie Band's company, which was freelance and very low budget. So I wrote like 50 feature direct-to-video scripts for him. When you only pay $3,000 for a feature, you got to write a lot of them. So I got into the habit of writing really fast and cheap for Charlie Band. Uh, I still work every so often for Charlie Band just because we've, we've had this relationship that's gone on for you know decades. Uh, and he's a great guy. Does Still doesn't pay very much money, but what are you going to do? Mm-hmm. Uh, and while I was writing for Charlie Band, I was writing my own features. I didn't At that time, I didn't have an agent. I talked my wife into being my agent, and she went out and showed my other showed scripts around. I had one script option by Universal that didn't sell, but then I, I wrote another script because I hadn't written any horror films. But I thought, you know, there aren't there aren't that many horror movies out that I really liked, so I thought I'd write one that I really liked, and I wrote one that I liked that was sort of my idea of what a really good horror movie was. And she went out with it, and this and that, it ultimately sold to Dimension for like half a million dollars. And we were we were broke at the time, so that was just a spectacular sale. And it kind of went all over town, and I was like the hot ticket for not very long, but long enough to sort of get me an agent. And out of that, I ended up getting the remake, remake to 13 Ghosts and a bunch of other projects. And it's sort of it that script, even though it wasn't fated to be a 
big hit. It, it was remade. It was rewritten as a, um, a Hellraiser movie. That was kind of odd, but that's another whole story. Okay. From that came Thirteen Ghosts and a bunch of other projects, and um, so I, I, it, it kind of made me professionally. So that was exciting. What made you say I want to work in horror? Um, well, I mean, I grew up in Boston, so I I was. I used to watch Fantasmic Features, if anyone remembers that, with this little sort of puppety creature called Feet was the was the character that introduced it, and they they used to air all of the uh, Allied Artists features, things like uh, Tobor and uh, all all of those like very low budget but scary as hell. Teenagers from Outer Space is a movie that scared the hell out of me when I was a kid. Voodoo Island, all of those movies. The Bird Eye Gordon giant creature movies, giant bug movies that when you're like 10 years old, scared the living hell out of you. And I also remember very vividly The Outer Limits, the original black and white Outer Limits. shows like the Xanti misfits, just like bugs with human faces, which scared the living crap out of me when I saw it and remembered it to this day. You kind of sharpen yourselves on the things that are really terrifying. It's interesting, and I don't know what your experience is, but there are moments from those movies that I saw easily 55, 60 years ago that, that impressed themselves on my, on my brain. You know, I saw Lara Croft, I don't know, whenever it came out. I can't remember anything about it. And there are other movies that I saw in theaters not very long ago that are just a complete blank. I barely remember that I saw them. There's just nothing about them that that impressed themselves on my brain. There's a, a scene, a moment in The Incredible Colossal Man. It's a movie that I can't claim to be a particularly good movie, but there's a scene in it where they have to try to stop the Colossal Man from continuing to grow. In order to do that, they have to give him an injection hypodermic needle they've created is like eight feet long and they say well we have to give we have to inject it into the bone marrow and so they kind of carry this gigantic hypodermic needle up and they jam it into his ankle and give him an and the pro the, just the simple prospect of having a hypodermic needle driven into your ankle is is so cringe inducing that i'm sure everyone who saw that moment in that movie just went like <sighs> I yeah, and, and it's just, yeah, of course, of course, and I'm sure everyone who saw that moment in that movie is horrified. And of course, the incredible, the incredible colossal man is 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 in agony from having this needle driven into his ankle. Proceeds to reach down, grab the needle, and fling it down, and transfix one of the soldiers who does it. <laughs> and that's so you're, it's doubly horrifying because again. This is, you know, this movie was made back in the 50s, yeah. but we, I, we watched back in the 60s. And that sort that instant of violence of having someone transfixed by a gigantic needle is just incredibly violent and horrifying. And you it, it just it stuns you when you see it. You're just not used to those kinds of images, just the, the penetration of an ankle by a needle and someone being transfixed by the same thing is is vividly horrifying you you know you begin to develop a kind of catalog of what kinds of images what kinds of moments we remember what what imprints themselves 
upon our, our minds as vividly horrifying. And so, I mean, over the years, I developed this notion of of what I've called the sense of dread. And, and obviously, any movie of any kind can simply make a loud noise and everyone will jump because the same way you can be working and someone can come up and touch you on your shoulder and you'll jump. And it's, just, it's what we call the startle reflex. And anyone who's owned a cat will understand this. You can sneak up on your cat and you can do the same thing to your cat and your cat will jump. It, it's it's something that pretty much every member of the of the mammal family and even, you know, you can tap on the side of a, of a fish tank and the fish will jump too. Any animal above a certain size brain is designed to jump at a sudden sound or a sudden motion. It's just how we're made. And so, of course, you can take advantage of that in making a, a movie and just you, you just increase the volume on a phone when it rings and people will jump and you can take advantage of that hard to do that when you're writing a script or or any kind of written thing because information comes in in a different way dread is a little bit different dread is that experience we have when things that are normal and expected and conventional are suddenly penetrated by something that is abnormal and unexpected and unnatural. So what I say is facing a tiger in a jungle may be scary. A roller coaster may be scary, but it, it doesn't create a sense of dread because you expect to find tigers in the jungle. You expect roller coaster, sudden turn in a roller coaster. That's that's part of what those those experiences are about but if you if you look down and you see a worm moving under your skin that is is a horrifying experience that is is a sense of dread because damn it all that that worm does not belong underneath your skin that's that shouldn't should definitely not be there you remember creature double feature we had the the equivalent in in Boston, but yes, sure. Yeah, I, matter of fact, wasn't it on Channel Thirty Eight? I remember Channel Thirty Eight. Channel Thirty Eight, yeah, in Boston. Sure. I'm in Massachusetts yeah. too, so we used to watch Channel Thirty Eight. Creature double feature generally had a Godzilla, had a a Mothra, but I remember one, and it goes to what you're saying with the worms, like something unnatural shouldn't happen. I remember one. I think it was called the Hand or something. It had a hand that was just crawling. And I remember it near a fireplace, and they picked it up and threw it in the fireplace. That that bothered me, and it was just, you know it was just an old movie, probably from yeah. the fifties or sixties. Yeah. It's, it's the Beast with Five Fingers. That's what you're remembering. Is that what it is? With, and, with uh, Peter Lorre, yeah. Okay, and I just and, remember and the comes, hand. Comes kind of crawling out of the fireplace after the. <gasps> See, the name didn't stick with me, but the movie did. As a kid, I often think about that. How creepy would that be? You see hands every day. It's a it's a natural thing. You see hands. But to see just a hand crawling across the floor, and I know the Adams family obviously made it funny with it coming out of a box. They took that scare factor and added humor to it. But that sticks with me, that hand crawling around. Now, when we think of horror, we'll go back to the universal monsters. They wouldn't scare people nowadays. I have to be honest. I mean, I've watched all of them, and they never really scared me. The movie that scared me of all of those older movies was The Island of Lost Souls. I don't know if you've ever seen it. It's based on uh, Island of Dr. Moreau, the okay. the, the H.G. Wells story, with Charles Lawton as uh, as a mad scientist who has worked, worked essentially in isolation 
created, turning animals into half human creatures and has been alone working for years in a castaway is, is washed up on this, on the shore of this island. Well, he's, he's tossed there by a, a disgruntled captain who didn't, doesn't like him. So he's stuck on this island and Moreau gets the idea. Yeah, out of all of these animals that he's turned into half human, he's created one woman who's close to perfect. And he says, now, this is this is a perfect opportunity to see how human he is, how human she is, if he can get this guy to fall in love with her. Doesn't quite work out. And they literally have hundreds of half-human creatures on this island, and they are just utterly terrifying. They, you know, basically, once he's, he's created them he's through with the experiment, he just kind of tosses them out in the jungle. And they've they've congregated in this village, this village of half-human creatures, and he kind of he's taught them to speak in this litany, this almost religion with with Moreau as this god. Brilliant movie. If you haven't seen it, it's well worth watching. And in in the end, they uh, they they go mad and they they drag him into the laboratory and dissect. How do you feel about horror? <laughs> the direction it's going. I think when you look at, at some of the movies that come out of A24, like Hereditary, that's a, just a fantastic movie. And, you know, of, of course, I, you run into the problem with, with, with way too many sequels. But even so, there are some, some really fantastic stuff. Some of the stuff that James Wan is doing is just, is just really brilliant. Some of the best horror ever has been done recently. I mean, the, the, the Lighthouse is brilliant. I didn't grow up during the sort of slasher period, and I know a lot of people are huge fans of that. So I was never, because it wasn't of my generation, so I've never been a huge fan of slasher horror. But man, I think some of the very best horror yet is, is is being done today. What do you think of like movies like Texas Chainsaw Massacre? Personally, I like the original. There's something about the Texas Chainsaw Massacre, the original. It doesn't actually have a lot of gore in it if you, you go back to the original movie. Uh, for me, one of the moments that's that's most scary about the Texas Chainsaw Massacre is when the guy, the, the, the hitchhiker in the car, kind of takes that knife, cuts his hand with it, and they, they're all just like, holy, it's like, holy crap. Again, it has moments of shocking violence, but it's only just moments. What works about the original is that it has almost a documentary feeling to it. You really feel like someone just took a camera and went out into the into the middle of this place where almost anything could happen. Uh, Last House, the original Last House on the Left, which is very, very violent, but it's the same kind of thing. You really have the feeling that semi-documentary feeling to it, where you just you you have the sense that anything could happen. You've just you've taken a left turn and gone into hell. Those are super powerful movies. In a way, much more powerful than the slicker remakes of those movies. And it's the roughness makes them work in a much more powerful. In the same way that the original Night of the Living Dead is fantastically powerful, and the remake, much more polished, much more slickly narrative, doesn't work anywhere near as effective. Not you, you don't get anywhere close to that that feeling of of rawness. I think the original you feel like one of the survivors and you're in the house, yeah, trying to solve these problems. 
you write in your book about, I can't remember where, you mentioned something about the beginning of a movie. They'll show you something that's totally shocking, and then you don't need to do it again. Yeah. I'll use Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Think about the opening scene on that where they, the bodies are propped up on the uh, cemetery. So I'm trying to remember. There was like outside. And yeah. Was, I, I think there were real like bodies, supposedly. Yeah, they're posed. Yeah. yeah. and But then you never go back to that. But that's uh, that's in your mind. Yeah. It's starting to mess with your psychology yeah. from the beginning yeah. of the movie. And then through the whole rest of the movie, you're waiting for something that may never come. But yeah. you're still there for two hours yeah. or an hour and a half waiting. Yeah. And that's also true with uh, Dawn of the Dead, which I had the, the for, was fortunate enough to be one of the first people to see in the theaters when it first came out. And that whole opening was just shocking. It was mind-blowingly brutal. The zombies taking the bites out of people's arms and heads being blown off. You had never seen anything like that in a movie before. I mean, you'd had that kind of Herschel Gordon Lewis stuff, but that always looked just incredibly fake. You never took that stuff seriously. But this looked real. I mean, it was it was just brutally shocking in that first seven or eight minutes. And then they never showed anything like that again. Never had to because you were just so wrenched by those images up front is that my god this movie could show us anything could she, we could see anything in this movie and they didn't so they didn't have to show us anything they they could pull back and we were we were all we just we watched that the rest of that movie from the edge of our seats because it's my god anything could happen anything could happen this is, it was really just just kind of brilliantly done i just feel that a lot of the horror films nowadays kind of show you too much yeah. it's not in your head anymore it's kind of what you create can be scarier than what you see i don't necessarily i'm not opposed to explicit violence mm -hmm. but it's, it's it's something that the filmmaker has to think about because obviously as with anything there is a law of diminishing returns. If you use too much of it at a certain point, the audience says, eh, whatever, it's yeah. another another disembodied head. I don't <laughs> care. I have no problem with movies that, that have explicit violence or explicit gore. You know, it, it really depends on the story you're trying to tell. There are movies that show essentially no violence that are incredibly terrifying. Like I've seen the, the original Haunting is, is incredibly terrifying. And there there are movies that lots of, explicit violence that can also be terrifying it, it just depends on the movie it, it depends on 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 how you're using those images and to what end i don't know if you've ever seen tucker and dale versus evil sure what a great movie that yeah it takes all of these this sense of dread so to speak and all these scary things and kind of pokes fun at all of it and you know they're making fun of it but at the same time you still have that dread you still have that oh my goodness something's going to happen here what kind of projects are you working on now um well now i'm on strike yeah. this is strike. yeah oh that's right right i i have i was working on an on a couple animated uh horror films so i'm kind of waiting to get notes back on that but that's about the limit of uh of my professional professional endeavors now you can you can work on animated films but not uh, not live action mm. and i'm teaching also at uh, david lynch school for advanced cinematic studies i'm screenwriting there before we go let's promote your book Okay. Um, it's uh, it's called A Sense of Dread, Getting Under the Skin of Horror Screenwriting. It's available on uh, on Amazon.com. If someone were to want to get a hold of you, Neil. Check my name. I'm on, uh, I have a Facebook page there. I'm, uh, you can, you can t get in touch with me there. 
if you if you contact me there, I'll be happy to uh, to respond to you. Okay, that's are you Neil Stevens on there or Neil, Neil Marshall Stevens? Neil Marshall Stevens. So N E A L M A R S H A L L Stevens. I want to thank you for joining me today, Neil, and talking about your book and your takes on horror. Forty years in the business. Congratulations. Well, thank thank you very much. Thanks for okay. joining me. Thank you, sir. Good to talk to you. <laughs>